On today's episode of Talkin' Tom, we threw our hats off to watch Joe vs. the Volcano, starring co-creator of the film and television production company, Playtone, Tom Hanks. Joe vs. the Volcano is a 1990 romantic comedy written and directed by John Patrick Shanley and is the first on-screen pairing of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. So, get ready for Meg Ryan, Meg Ryan, and Meg Ryan? Because we're about to take the leap. The Volcano! My mom always said, life was like a box of chocolates. What up, Hanks Heads? What's up? Back at him again. Welcome oh, God, back. you're regretting this already. Welcome back to another episode of Talkin' Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Tom Hanks movies and then we talk about them. We do just that. And today we're talking about the movie Joe versus the Volcano. Oh, my God. But you heard that in the intro, so you knew that. I just repeated it. Oh, God, we're repeating ourselves. <sighs> what you didn't hear in the intro, my name's Josie. I'm Daniel. And we're two best friends who are just been friends forever. Friends forever <laughs> over a mutual love of Tom Hanks. And we've got some exciting Tom Hanks news later in the show. Oh my I don't want to spoil it now, but you got to hang around. No, yeah, you guys definitely do not want to miss our news. <laughs> um, cool. We have some cool things happening with us currently in this moment. Biggest news. We got a new podcast, Mike. We got a new... Oh, weird. We... Our production value is through the roof. Yeah. We're coming for you, Mark Marin, And um, what's her name who does cereal? Oh, I forgot her name. Oh, he put me on the spot. Julie something? I don't know. Yeah, so we got two mics. We're sitting on the couch. Very yeah. casual. Relaxing. I'm drinking a cup of tea. I drank all my water, but that's okay. And you won't need that anyway? <laughs> And we watched, we just finished watching the movie Joe versus the Volcano. We did. We did. Which I've never seen before. Yeah. So, okay. I've, I saw it before, but I was, uh, I was much younger and I think, I feel like I'm combining a few movies. There was a movie in the nineties about a guy who had an apartment full of roaches. Do you remember that movie? Mm, no. It was a weird movie. For some reason I've blended these two movies together and okay. I have no idea why. I think An they have similar names. I think it's called like Joe's apartment or something. Oh. Okay. And I've blended these movies for years, and it's just come to realize that it was not Tom Hanks in the Roach movie. Wow. Um, so I don't know what weird... It's like the Berenstein Bears thing again. Oh, God. No, don't even... Or the Yanny Laurel thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. you haven't seen it, but you saw the poster. <laughs> yeah. What did you think was gonna? this movie's going to be about? Yes, you guys guessed that it's time for another edition of one of our very <laughs> popular segments, Guess the Plot, which explains itself in the title. Um, when I looked at the theatrical poster for this, all I could glean is that this would be a romantic comedy that takes place on an island and that the island is under siege by a volcano. Yeah, that's fair. That sounds like a shitty movie and I'm glad that (laughs) that's... Was it the poster with just the big moon in the background? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that I don't even know why then I thought that. I'll be curious. I, I really want to know. I'd love to sit in the meeting of how this movie got made. Like, how do you pitch this? Right. Which I guess I should start with. Let me let me explain what this movie's about. Good idea. <laughs> Tom Hanks is a dude named Joe. Mm. Surprise, surprise. And he works in this dead end job with this awful factory that produces uh, petroleum jelly and rectal uh, probes. probes. Here, let me help you. <laughs> Thank you. And um, he hates his life, and he's a kind of a hypochondriac. He thinks he's sick, which might actually—I think that's like a real thing. Like you get sick when you work in like awful conditions. Yeah, I mean, he looked sick. Yeah, in his off, it's like this How drab, gray, that? fluorescent light, zero. I don't know. I think you said you said he probably just has depression, which is also probably yeah. <laughs> but he goes to this doctor, and the doctor says he has something called a brain cloud, which mm. is going to kill him in six months. So he says you should spend the next five months having the time of your life. Do everything you can to have a great time. And uh, Tom quits his job, goes back to his house, and he's approached by this man who has this this very um, sinister and suspiciously 
good offer. And the offer is there's an island somewhere in the Pacific with a group of native people who are very superstitious about the volcano on their island. And they believe that once every century they have to sacrifice someone to appease the gods. And no one on their island will volunteer to be sacrificed. So the, the gentleman offers that if Tom, if Joe will sacrifice himself, he'll let him do whatever he wants. He gives him credit cards. He's like, have the time of your life in New York. Then I'm going to fly to LA, have the time of your life there. Then you can get on a yacht, have the time of your life on the yacht, get to the island, meet the natives, cut yourself. All expenses paid, trip yeah. to your own death. It's a pretty decent deal, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, if you 100% knew that you were going out in six months. Yeah. Do you think, I've always wondered that, like a, the bucket list scenario of like, you're going, this is going to happen. What are you going to do? I wonder if, if my mind would flip to fully embrace that. Yeah. I don't think it's mine tough. would. I guess in the moment, once you've accepted what's to come, maybe maybe it does shift. I guess I never had anything remotely like that to know if I would go. Interesting. Yeah. So it's weird. It's kind of this dark premise layered on this very goofy comedy yeah. That really works. It really works. I like, mean, the it was I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. I felt like I was watching a play. Yeah. Because of the way that everything was so staged and so intentional. It was the blocking maybe. I don't know yeah. if that's what I'm looking at. It was just it was all so like surreal. And all the sets were like clearly sets, but I think intentionally so. Yeah. It that gave it kind long, of an otherworldly I think of that long intro with this music playing kind of reminded me of um, the first song in Les Miserables. Yeah. Where they're like painting this bleak picture of these people that are toiling away in their jobs. They're so miserable. And this long, crooked, winding road that Joe has to march up to get to his office that he hates. It was a very, you really understood where he was and what he was feeling. It sort of reminds me, have you ever seen the movie Brazil, Terry Gilliam movie? I sure haven't. It's sort of a, it's like a British kind of surreal movie about, that starts as a very similar thing of just like the worst, like scum of the earth type of job. Yeah. That just destroys you internally and externally. Had a very Brazil vibe to it. I think, I feel like some of the opening was kind of a reference to it. Okay. a little on the nose for it, in a good way. Yeah. Um, What's the worst job you've ever had? The worst job I ever had? I don't, I don't know if I ever had like a, an actually awful job. Oh, one time for a summer I tarred and I tarred roofs what? to make some money when I was a teenager. Roofs need tar? Uh, in Oklahoma, sometimes they do. Oh, cool. <laughs> like a lot of buildings, like business buildings. Oh, They will put flat. some stuff and they tar it because it can be replaced. And um, yeah, it's just, it smells awful and I'm pretty sure it makes you sick. And yeah, it's like it's 110 like degrees in Oklahoma and... You just kind of burn, and the tar is burning because it's it has to be super hot to be spread before it dries. And but I was doing it with all my like all my best friends, so it was kind of funny. Yeah. But um, and then I worked in retail, so I would count that as pretty awful. Yeah, I've been mad respect for retail workers. Yeah, or food service, man. It's like you choose one or the other. I feel like your first job is either in retail or food service, and then that's your job until you get a quote, real job. Yeah, if you're able to get out of it, man. Yeah. I hear, though, food service, food service pay, you make more. Okay. From what, from when I've talked to friends about food service, they like, why well, I made a lot more money and I'm like, I did not, so. Right, Maybe yeah. Maybe I made the wrong choice. Well, I've been very fortunate. Almost every job I've had, I've, you know, I've done, like, getting coffee and taking out the trash and, like, picking up dog poop, like that yeah. stuff, but I always... It always was leading to something bigger and better. Yeah. So never like life so crushing. Lived a life of privilege, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, Joe seems very unhappy in his job. Yeah. And whether or not it actually is making him sick, he feels like it is. So it makes sense when he's finally able to let that go that he kind of throws himself into this. It's like the world gets brighter. He's in that weird building with the fluorescent lights. And the minute he, he finds out that he has this brain cloud, the color of the movie changes. He's 
dancing. And it's he says, like a tan. Yeah. He says yes to things. Yeah. Um, he asks out Dee Dee, played by Meg Ryan. This Meg girl, Ryan number one. Meg Ryan number one. We do see three Meg Ryan clones in this movie. Yeah. They, when they, him and Dee Dee go on a date, and when the date ends poorly because he confesses that he's going to die, and she takes that probably as most people would, is like, this is a lot. Yeah. I thought that was the end of Meg Ryan for a second. I was like, wow, is she out of this movie? Like, that, how do you come back from that? He leaves tomorrow. Yeah. She has some interesting... I think we should talk about her in a yeah, little bit more detail. Yeah, let's start with Megan Ryan. Yeah. So, Megan... Megan Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are very We're close. We're close friends. Meg Ryan is my personal hero. Um, I will never let anybody say a bad thing about her. Fair. I know that there's going to be kind of a guttural reaction later on as we delve into the more Meg Ryan-flavored Tom Hanks movies. Um, y'all can just fuck off because she's my queen. <laughs> Um, I want to dress like her all the time. In fact, today I, my outfit is inspired by Meg Ryan. I'm wearing baggy jeans and a baggy shirt and that's it. That's the aesthetic of like summertime Meg. Love her. She's my queen. (laughs) Sounds like a target brand. Summertime Meg. (laughs) Yeah. Or like a line of cocktails. Yeah. That are like fat free or something. We should, when we, if we ever get to do a live podcast, we should have a, a Hanks and maybe a Meg Ryan themed cocktail selection. Oh my God. One of them is going to be made with orange soda. Yeah. To celebrate Joe versus the volcano. Yeah. That will be the non-alcoholic version for people like me. The, what do they call it? The virgin version. It's a Hell hard yeah. two words to say in a row. Rural juror. <laughs> um, yeah. So Megan Ryan, <laughs> why are you doing that? <laughs> she plays Dee Dee. And she, so she plays three different characters in this movie and they're all distinctly different people. Exactly. I was very surprised at first by Dee Dee as a character because of, she was so animated. Everything that she did with her eyebrows and her voice was very specific and noticeable and very charming. Yeah. If that had been her whole character for the whole movie, I would have been happy with it. Yeah, and it's sort of um, kind of a stereotype of like a very like whimsy and like doesn't really understand things type of persona, which yeah. surprised me at first because I sort of thought that was going to be love interest through and through. Yeah. I was like, okay, this will be interesting how they play this. Yeah. Like I haven't, that is a tough thing to balance. And then, no, it's like yeah. every version of her we meet is like a slight upgrade in like terms of how a character, like we've seen this kind of character before. Yeah. Can't talk. I'm just like. No, I get it. <laughs> um, but every upgrade and then we get to like, finale Meg who's like this put together type of person yeah it's um she kind of wrote Dee Dee kind of reminded me of like an old timey like listen here boys yeah it's like, like a radio newspaper boy newspaper yeah. newsy that's I felt that um the next character she plays is a woman named Angelica uh, also Dee Dee was a brunette yes Angelica's a redhead and I'm announcing it here now I will be dressing as Angelica for Halloween. Unless with the a, yellow ooh, raincoat yeah. looking thing? Yeah, the yellow like two-piece suit with the black like lacy thing underneath. Um, I look partially inspired by April O'Neil from Ninja Turtles. She rocks the yellow raincoat. Know what that is. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen Ninja Turtles. <laughs> That's a movie? Yeah, there's a bunch of Ninja Turtle movies. Huh. They have their time. Yeah, we'll get to it, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Uh, Angelica's cool. She's like this crazy, weird artist, right? Yes. She lives in LA. She's who he meets when Joe gets to LA. He spends time with uh, Angelica and she's like kind of the quintessential LA stereotype of a lot of money, is an artist, but sort of has only found success because her father is someone influential who can get her stuff. Like they take, go to a restaurant to eat and she's like, well, that's my art on the wall. But then she ends up confessing that it's her art's on the wall because her dad owns the restaurant. Mm. Interesting parallel. Um, specifically between Angelica and Dee Dee. They're both furthest ends of the spectrum, right? So one is like unbearably bleak and represents like the sadness that Joe feels. I think Angelica is like what he thinks the world should be like. So bright, so colorful, animated, 
almost like comical. Like everything she did was done with such flair. It was very opposite to Dee Dee, I think. Um, also, when Joe tells Dee Dee that he has this brain cloud, she freaks out and runs away. Yeah. I don't think he ever tells Angelica. No, I think he keeps it a secret after that when he realizes yeah. how people will react. But well, she, she tells, also says, Angelica's like, don't trust me. Yeah. She like admits that up front that she's untrustworthy. She also tells him, do you ever think about killing yourself? Yeah. Which is very uh, on the nose. <laughs> yeah. Very dark. Uh, so I almost wonder if, if that for him was an example of, like she's essentially saying what he told Dee Dee, but in two different. Yeah. So he's on the other end of it. It's interesting because you have a movie that is the end goal of this movie is for the lead character to kill themselves. Yeah. Um, in a very gruesome. Yeah, and it's impractical it's, way. And it's it's a and it's, that subject is a, a tightrope to talk about. Um, we have like modern shows like 13 Reasons Why that have been torn apart by the internet because of the way that it's represented mm. um, and rightfully so uh, from some of the stuff I've heard. Um, but this sort of balances it as it's a joke to one end but then when a character like Angelica who says I want to kill her, she wants to kill herself because things just aren't what she wants them to be versus Joe who's doing it because it's sort of he's coming to the end of his life and if he can help someone else then like maybe he will. Yeah. Um, but the way he responds to her is really interesting because he really speaks out about it like being a bad idea, which I thought was kind of cool. Right. Interesting. Interesting takeaway. I like to think of these these different Megs as kind of like ghosts of future past and future. It was like they felt like spirit guides. Yeah. Well, that you mentioned when we were watching it that you thought it might be a dream. Yeah. And it kind of plays into that because it has like this kind of play setting, this the staging of it, and with these figures like that, it very well could be in a dream, like almost Scrooge type of thing. Of yeah, he's kind of living out these experiences and seeing them from different people's perspective. Especially with them all being played by the same woman. Yeah, that's such a choice that it has to mean something. It caught me off guard because when you meet Angelica, I was confused. I thought maybe Dee Dee had 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 done the same thing Joe had done. And yeah. Was bouncing back. But then when we move on to meet Patricia, who is Angelica's half sister, yeah. and has a really great moment where they're talking to each other, yelling at each other from off screen uh-huh. about their differences and similarities. And I think Tom Hanks's character was excited that they looked the same. Right. He kept being like, you guys are half sisters? Yeah. <laughs> So Patricia is like, I think I said this earlier, she's like a SoCal, like Jennifer Aniston type. That's She's got long flowing blonde hair. She wears big baggy sweaters, which I love that look. And she's very just like effortless. Like everything, she just does it all. She does it all well. She can sail a boat. She can catch a fish. And she can also like look good in a dress. That's like kind of, she's... Every man's type, I guess. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I'm understanding femininity. Um, and he falls in love with her kind of instantly, right? Yeah, I think he's pretty smitten with her. And the movie plays it clever in that he knows where his end is. And so this idea that he might fall into something early makes a little more sense. I mean, he doesn't have to because the movie's so fantastical. Right. Um, but it kind of plays into like, well, I don't know what the future holds for me. So like, why not give into things I've never given into before? Well, let me, let me jump back a bit. I wanted to talk about the first character he spent some time with, which is his limo driver. Oh, so his, the first thing he does when he agrees to do the volcano jump is he uses the credit card he's given and he orders a limo to go out for the day, get some clothes and stuff. And it's sort of the first time Joe is kind of coming into his independence. He's operated previously as a fireman and went through some clearly traumatic experiences in doing that. And has now moved into this line of drab work that has eaten away with him. And he has this weird balance of, he used to have this like almost hero lifestyle. And now he's a nobody that means nothing. So he meets this limo driver named Marshall. And Marshall's like, well, where do you want to go Like in the city? And he's like, I want to buy clothes. And he's like, well, what kind of clothes do you want to buy? And he's like, I don't know. And Marshall pulls the limo over and comes to the back seat. And they have a big conversation where he's like, I'm your limo driver. I'm not being paid to like be a essentially a therapist. Like he's like, I have my life together. It took me all of my life to figure out who I am. I don't, I can't just do that for you. And in that they become, they have a really, I was, I was 
they, have, they form a really sweet little friendship. And I was kind of bummed Marshall wasn't in the rest of the movie. I know. Because they spend his day in New York together. They go buy clothes. They get tuxes together. And they he sort of is with Joe as Joe figures out what it is that Joe likes about himself. Gets him a haircut. It's kind of like the reversal of the uh, makeover, like the Princess Diary, like, oh my gosh, under all this, you know, under all this hair, Tom Hanks has long hair in this, under all this hair is this beautiful Hank figure. Oh, he's so beautiful. (laughs) We should, just to deviate for a minute, we've never seen Tom with long hair like this. Yeah, not a fan. Yeah. I'm going to be straight up, be honest with you. When him and Dee Dee were kissing, it was almost indistinguishable which one was which. Their hair was the exact same length. Maybe that was maybe that was supposed to be it. They were both nobodies, unaware of who they are. Wow, yeah. That might just be pushing to read something from that. No, but. I really think this movie is like ripe with symbolism. Yeah, and I think it plays it on the nose intentionally so. Yeah. Because then it just has fun with it. We we mentioned this movie's like an hour and or an hour and forty two minutes and it flew by. Oh like I could have watched Primo. Yeah. Primo pacing. Yeah. Um, so, do you agree with Marshall that clothes, what kind of clothes you wear, make the person you are? I think it does matter because I think even if you don't agree with that, I think a lot of people do. Um, and I think the physical, it's not the, the way you should read someone, but the physical appearance of someone does tell you something right away. And I think what I would take, because we, when we get to know Marshall, I don't take that as a, him being someone who thinks physical, that your appearance means everything. I think he means it as you're supposed to figure out who you are and clothing is how part of how you do that. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be his. I just want more Marshall. Yeah. I did. It would have been cool if he showed up on the boat somehow. Yeah. I liked their friendship. I think he had some good stuff to say. I like completely forgot about him, even though I liked him so much. Yeah. Because it's, so, it's like this chunk of the movie where you're like, wow, this, I think I was just kind of overwhelmed with like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. And then we really get out of control. Everything goes bonkers in, a, in another good way. Bonkers. So we, we move on. Now we're on the yacht with Patricia. Mm-hmm. The yacht's pretty cool. It's a dope boat. Um, we, sh- we should also mention, <laughs> keep coming back to details, during his shopping spree, Tom buys these beautiful, huge trunks that are waterproof and sealed and that's very important for the future and and that whole scene it was so stylized it was just so like i remember laughing out loud because he buys four of the most expensive trunks in this shop and then the man as an expression of gratitude the man who's selling him these trunks says i hope you live to be a thousand years old, like yeah. something crazy <laughs> that we both just like laughed so hard at. It was great. Cause it is a brilliant way to say thank you to someone. Yeah. Like I hope you live forever. Basically. He must work on commission. <laughs> and he's like, wow, this is, you've done it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those, and it, it makes sense that those, he, he made the right choice because those end up coming to save them. The yacht they're on, not a whole lot happens on the yacht. They bond Patricia and Joe bond. Yeah. Patricia shows him all the stuff she can do in terms of like fishing and all that jazz with um, running her boat. And that fish, sorry to interrupt you, but that fishing gag. Yeah. <laughs> which at first I was like, okay, this is just a little bit too long. The reveal at the end where Tom is, or Joe was like struggling <laughs> so hard to catch this one fish. And then it turns out to be like a hammerhead shark. And he's just fighting it. It's like a clearly fake shark. But so clearly fake. Great Tom. Oh great yell though. Oh my God, that fucked my whole shit up, man. Um, so then they hit a storm and... A, to- a typhoon. Yeah. A bad, bad thing. And Tom and Joe and Patricia share a moment... And then Patricia gets freaking knocked off the boat. Right into the ocean, boy. And Joe does not wait a second. He goes to save her. And then the yacht gets struck by lightning and sinks. Yeah. So now they're in the ocean. Oh, wait. Did we see the boat sink? Yeah. It oh, gets, cool. It gets struck by lightning. It's a and crooked line. And, yeah. The line, I think the lightning line looks like the line to his work entrance. I'm yeah. pretty sure. But boat sinks. But lo and behold, the floating trunks all around them. So he fashions them into a makeshift raft yeah. and then gets Patricia on the raft. She's unconscious and they uh, just wait. You had posted on Instagram on our account about not writing with Tom. 
because he has all these disasters. Oh yeah, that meme. Every movie Tom's in yeah. is like ends in disaster. Yeah, they should add this one to it because the boat he's on goes haywire. Yeah, I don't know that people. I don't hear this movie talked about a lot. To no, be Frank. Oh, it's got it's, it's like right. It's like a midnight movie, a cult. It's got to be coming back. I can't imagine this being played at like Cinespia or yeah. one of those like movie on the green crowds would eat this up everyone shows up with orange soda yeah it would be perfect you have the the strange jacket he wears on top of the raft because patricia's unconscious and he is giving her water to keep her and covering her up from the sun but he's not so he's kind of going delusional Mm -hmm. but he has there's this great like minute long dance sequence that i'm going to give immediately yeah me i want to do that too um they played a song that he's dancing to, which now I can't remember, but it was also in the movie Stand By Me, which I watched for the first time last week. Oh, did you love it? No. Oh. You know why? Because I'm not a teenage boy. That's fair. Experiencing the changing of my own life. But I have nothing against it. I just could not relate to it. Did you love Stand By I love, Me? I grew up on Stand By Me, though. Yeah. It's like my dad's movie. Yeah. He's like, you gotta watch it. You, yeah. I love the soundtrack. Great soundtrack. Great performances. Sad AF. Sad AF. Um, okay. Oh, did you notice that every time Joe did something brave or um, out of character, he would throw off his hat? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hats always led to a new part of his journey. Yeah. It's Some cool. Good hats. What does that mean? The hat is like him shedding another layer because it's covering up his true self ah he's hiding same with, with his the hair. hair yeah so he truly was the lot the worst version of himself when he mm-hmm. had that stupid mullet and that hat so we're still on the raft right patricia wakes up she realizes joe has done all these things to keep her well but has not done anything to keep himself well. He's been super selfless, which is something he's not used to. He's never right. had to do this. He's had to change again. And so she does the same and gets him back to health. Just in time for them to land on the island. Yes. The titular volcano island. <laughs> That's a, another name, but I forgot. Little it. island, big volcano. Yeah. In another language. Um, they throw a big feast, party, whatever. A lot of great physical gags because they're really messing with Joe during this. They're like yeah. licking his feet and sucking on his toes and dumping stuff on him and a giant squid or something on him. Yeah, it's which is confusing because he's there to save them. So why are they being mean to him? Just having a good time, maybe. It's just funny to see Tom do stuff. Yeah, cl- they clearly they knew what they were working with. Uh, yeah, you're just gonna do. Like, Meanwhile, Patricia's being pampered and yeah, having a lovely time. Done. Um, and then we move to the volcano. We like pretty, we keep, we're brisking through. The, yeah. We get to the volcano, time to die. But then Patricia's like, yo, I love you. Yeah. And Tom, Joe's like, I love you. And then they just get married real fast. They, yeah. <laughs> and then they both decide they're going to jump in the volcano together. Yeah. So what's the point for alone? He's like, let's take this step together. Yeah. This is they, bold. That is a bold love. It is. And that's why I'm never falling in love. <laughs> you wouldn't jump in a volcano for someone? No, God, no. But what if they, you're on a raft? What if it was Tom? For, Tom would never ask me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Um, this, like, the reason that they both jump in together isn't so much, to me at least, isn't so much like we have nothing left to live for it stops being about that. Yeah. And it starts being about like, let's just finally do it. Like let's yeah. do what we've always wanted to do and take a leap. Yeah. They've always, they've both been on these predestined paths kind of controlled by other people. Patricia's been fighting her, her wealthy father's like grip. Yeah. And Tom's just trying to figure out who he is and what he wants to live for. And he decides that this is what he wants to try. Take a leap of faith. And it works out. And lo and behold. The minute they jump into that volcano, spit right out. <laughs> Spits them out, which logistically, I won't go into that. Yeah, physics are out the window. <laughs> they get thrown in the ocean, and the again, don't travel with Tom. The whole island goes into disarray and sinks into the ocean. Yeah, it just 
it just disintegrates <laughs> in a matter of seconds. Yeah. So then I, I thought we had like 30 more minutes of the movie. Me too. I was like, they're going to go somewhere yeah. now. We're going to have like time where they have to figure out how to get away. The suitcases come back. Of bam, course. out of the ocean to save them. They make another raft. And they decide they're going to have their honeymoon on the raft. Yeah. And the movie ends. Well, they say they love each other again. And they realize it's, it's almost like this, uh, you know, the secret how like if you if you just believe or manifest the things you want they'll come to you yeah like they were theirs to begin with you just got to grab them um, that seems to be how Patricia lives her life when she says like we don't need to worry we're like we'll we'll get home and then the trunks pop up out from underneath the ocean yeah and it seems like that's just how they're moving forward they know they're gonna get to land somewhere they just it's a matter of finding out where they're going next and they're happy with the journey it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. So to go back on your thing, I was going to mention the the gentleman who wrote and directed this. Yeah. This was his, um, I think it was his directorial debut. Wow. Um, but he was, he was a playwright before. Oh. And he wrote, he also wrote a few screenplays. He wrote um, Moonstruck, which I think you really dig. Yeah, he has a pretty interesting filmography and a bunch of plays. So it kind of makes sense why this feels like a stage, stagey production. Interesting. But it works in the favor. I think sometimes that could be a negative. People would think that is a negative, but it feels really... No, it's it's like a breath of fresh air almost. It's like a movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, but it still has a message, which is relatively simple. Yeah, but like... it has such a good time with it. Yeah. That it then kind of transcends work. I was super surprised by this movie. Same. Do you have anything... I want to be fair and go over negatives. Okay. I, I, in the end, I think the pacing did even itself out. Mm -hmm. That first portion seemed to drag on forever. And I think there's, you're supposed to also be just as sick of it as Joe is. But that specific opening scene where he's marching up the crooked path and he stubs his foot and his shoe falls off and like, all, and then he's in the office and it's this routine. That all just is so laborious. But I know why it's like that. I also, I felt like the ending might have been a little rushed. Yeah. I, and I can't, I can't, I can't tell if I think it ended abruptly or if I just wanted more and that hurt it because I wasn't done enjoying this thing. That could be it. It seems. I do think it ends a little yeah. Like it, it, the character, it's interesting because the, the, the characters are resolved. Their arc, in a way, is complete, but the story isn't. And yeah. And that's tough because it's a weird plot movie. It's but a frustrating it, at thing. At its core, it's about its characters. So I think it went, I'm satisfied with where the characters end up, like they're where I want them to be, but I want to know how the plot ends up. Yeah. I also, it, it was so. Um, I think I've said this already, but surreal. It it was just so, it felt like it was a dream or it felt like it was like he was going to find out that he didn't have the two. I don't know. He did find out that he doesn't have the brain cloud, but that's all very conveniently wrapped up. She's like, oh yeah, my dad owns that doctor. Yeah. He must've been tricky. Like that was a little bit. They were setting him up. Like, no, that's, I want, I want a better explanation for that (laughs) than this. Because it's weird that a hypochondriac wouldn't. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't quite explain if he had been a hypochondriac previously or if he had become one uh, following his traumatic experiences with the fire department. Oh, right. We um, didn't talk about he was a firefighter. Yeah. So I think the doctor just may have told him that and it could have been false. I don't really know. Yeah. Or maybe he was and they were like, he's the perfect candidate because he thinks everything's supposed to be this way. Yeah. He's used to this constant sickness. Either way, I think it's supposed to be enjoyed as like a, a campy piece of art rather than a significant piece of fiction. Yeah, it works. It works on a few. Like it, it's sort of at its core is, is really simple and then elevated by like a really strange plot that mm-hmm. keeps you keeps it a little bit unpredictable because you're kind of just confused by how they got to this. Right. But then elevated by themes that are on the nose, but that's part of how the movie is directed and it's sort of funny in that regard because you know what you're getting into. That kind of just keeps every little thing adds a little bit of layers to it that surprised me. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things we've watched. Same. I feel like I could watch it again right now. Yeah. And I would 
being... I'm going to buy that movie. Yeah. I'm going to add it to the library. Yeah. This is the kind of one I would like... I would watch it with my brother, who is so yeah. much cooler than me, and I think he would actually like it. It's the perfect thing of like, have some friends over and never seen it, pop it on. Short mm-hmm. and sweet. Good date movie. Yeah. For both parties, you get Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah. Oh, Meg Ryan is stunning in this movie. Yeah, she's... We got a few Meg Ryan lined up. Some of which I've never seen. Wait, which ones? So, I've never seen Simpsons in Seattle. Oh my God. Yeah. I've just been waiting. When she told me it was your favorite, before we started this and we were kind of discussing it, there were a few. I was like, oh, there's a few. I should see a few. And then you were like, Sleepless in Seattle is my favorite. And I was like, well, I have to watch it fresh. Yeah, you do. So I'm going to hold off. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, she's a treat. They have wonderful chemistry. They just work together. Um, I We haven't really talked so much about Tom's specific character and his acting, he once again proves his worth as one of America's most beloved actors. It's weird because he's he's so good. Like Meg Ryan's so good in this, right? And Tom Hanks is so good in this that you sort of just are distracted by Meg Ryan being so good because we're just used to Tom Hanks being good, right. which is unfair. Because his arc, every hat throw, is a completely different type of character. Agree. His beginning one is this like dour sourpuss who just has the greatest little quips back to like have just a little bit of rebellion in this awful workplace. Yeah. You said it. You were like, he does such a good job of making me like believe him. Yeah. And you feel like you look at him with his long hair and just, he has this lamp in his office that has like a beach on it and just stares at it and you feel awful. Yeah. You like really get it. And he does that wonderful monologue as soon as he takes that hat off and he stands out to his mean boss. Talk about how he makes $300 a week at this shitty job. And he's basically like had his soul on loan yeah. to this corporation. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, also, that lamp, if you look at it, I just read a piece of trivia about it. It tells the whole story of the movie. Like, oh, really? It's like a crooked path oh, and then I love there's that. a boat and then there's a, a fucking <laughs> volcano. It's That adds to the idea that it's a dream potentially too. I know. I thought he puts his hands up in the doctor's office to cover mm-hmm. his eyes. And I thought that we were just going to end back at that moment. That would be... I wouldn't like that. No, it would have been I'd cheap. rather not know. I felt like an asshole because I was like, I totally know the ending of this movie. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I didn't. But he's great. Yeah, he has a lot of great... I don't know. It's We've seen a lot of stuff that we now take for granted as like what Tom Hanks gives in the performance, but there's a lot going on here. And physical comedy, a lot of great yells. Yeah, he literally yells, the volcano. Yeah. <laughs> it also helps that... like. It's written, it's really well written. And so I all agree. of the jokes are really clever and transcend above some of the humor we've had before. Mm-hmm. Like this is just Ace's content. I Hanks. agree. It's timeless. It's like, because it really leans into the the play feel with the fake sets and the over-exaggerated special effects, you don't feel like you're watching something that was made in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel like it's something that needs to be remade or redone. It just exists perfectly on its own. Yeah. It has this kind of classic feel, like almost like an old silent movie in terms of its design, which must, it has to be intentional. Yeah. It's great. I have just great things to say. Well, it sounds like we both know that we... Once again, (laughs) we're in agreement. We agree. Um, We'll find one. We'll find one. It'll be interesting to compare this to the other Meg Ryan, Tom Mm -hmm. Hanks ventures. Because I think we'll probably have differing opinions yeah. about which one has better merit, maybe? I don't yeah. Know. Um, but it was a wonderful first showing of the two of them. They elevate each other's performances. They just yeah, It makes sense. If you, saw this in, if you saw this in 1990 and you were like, I want more of that. Uh-huh. Maybe go into the future and be like, I get more of this? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Good news all around. This movie came out one year before I was born. It came out the year I was born. Holy shit. I didn't shit. look at the date of the actual date it came out, but... Yeah. What if it came out on your birthday? That w- I feel like I, I feel like I've looked at a trivia fact about my birthday before. Oh, it came out two weeks after. So wow, I could have seen it as a little a little child. <laughs> your parents bring a two week old baby to a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> this kid Maybe. loves film. What can we say? Oh, I, th- I had a name for the segment where I went over Meg's outfits, and I want to call it Meg Ryan Fashion Corner. <laughs> so. We'll continue with that later on. We'll come on. back to those. How many, do we get, are there three, four Meg Ryan movies? There's three, and then she directed Ithaca, and he's in it. Oh, okay. For like a minute. But we could watch it. She's in a movie, 
I really liked, like, came out like 10 years ago called In the Land of Women. Okay. It's really good. Why isn't she? I feel oh, like wait, she with, be um, back in, with I know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched that. The Brodies. Um, she should, yeah, she should do, she's so good in that too. She she's also the voice actor of Anastasia, that animated film. Oh, yeah. Which was one of my favorites growing up. Her voice is so soothing. She should, I wonder if she reads audiobooks. She should read audiobooks. It would have been really cute if she read Uncommon Type. If she played one of the, the women. Yeah. That would have been cute. In that, um, the Green Street and One Month on mm-hmm. Green Street. Oh, that would have been perfect. All right. So I give this movie, I mean, save for the weird, like kind of clunky ending where everything ties itself up which I'm willing to overlook, I'd give this movie like four and a half out of five stars. Yeah, I think I'm in the four, four and a half range. Yeah. I want to sit on it, but at the same time, I would rewatch it. Yeah. And that is its own type of um, uh, award to it. Yeah, and I think you probably would get more out of a second viewing. Yeah. It's got um, a repeat. It's structured to be rewatchable because you'll, I think, notice like that the lamp thing. Yeah, the Great. little Easter eggs. I love eggs. stuff like that. What um what happens in the end of the movie with the cockroaches, Joe? I don't remember. Apartment. <laughs> I guess the volcano sinks. <laughs> the vo- the cockroaches just like get spit out. I have out no of them. idea how I've blended those. I wonder if that is even a real movie or. I learned about it years ago that that wasn't they weren't the same. But then I was confused because like I know I've seen them both, but I don't know how to distinguish them. I know that one has a volcano. Obviously, one is about roaches, but like, where do these stories overlap? Weird. And what made you think that they do besides the fact that they both have Joe in the it's, name? I think it's just, yeah, that and just like who, who was like, they pitched this and it was like, yeah, we're going to give you millions of dollars to make this. Yeah. Like pitching Joe versus the volcano nowadays, how would you get this made? N- uh, n- it's too risky. It had a $25 million budget. That's, That's uh, insane. insane. <laughs> I'm assuming just because of uh, the director coming off of Moonstruck with his script, they were like, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And thank God they let And him. Tom was a... A star at this yeah. point, right? But also, like, this movie is clearly someone doing whatever they want and embracing every weird factor of it. Like, at no point does it restrain itself. And I think if it did, it would fall apart. And Tom never took away from that. Yeah. It was like, the, he's such a brilliant performer that he can add to every single... W- We've seen him, at this point, do most of everything. Yeah. Except for, like, really super serious. Oh, we'll get there. Oh, we will. <laughs> and we know he can do that. And that's important, I think, to why he is sort of this universally beloved actor, is that if you if he didn't give himself over into this role, this movie would not work. No, like it's a weird movie played straight by him. Yeah, and to not give it the same dedication you give in the other movie would just make it a weird movie that was poorly done. Right, with bad acting. It transcends. No, they both same with McRyan in it. Committed. They both just like, worried. yeah. And then you think about like Dragnet, which is. A, a weird movie that he gave himself a hundred percent to. Yeah. He just went right in, did that awesome music video that I still think about every night before bed. And then in this movie, he's dancing on the trunks to that, whatever that song was that I can't remember now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just like goes for it and I appreciate him. Yeah. Oh, uh, this is, this is like one of the, our most raved episodes. I think I think so too. It feels good to like be fully into it. We've had a few, not awful, but like not, yeah. Super exciting. I Some shorter like, episodes, to say the least. Yeah, 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 yeah. But now we're like, Wah! we're in prime time. We say yeah. this every episode. I can't oh, wait. Oh, it's good What's to be alive. What's our next movie? Our next movie, for those of you following along and watching, is The Bonfire of the Vanities. What? Which is a satirical black comedy film. Ooh. Never seen it. Same. I mean, I pretty much <laughs> had a friend of mine. I like. He was like, have you... How can you consider yourself a Tom Hanks yeah. fan? You've seen like two Tom Hanks movies. Now no one can question you. Oh, like now you, by the end of this, you're gonna be like you're gonna be like uh, not only do I have a podcast chronicling his entire filmography, but like yeah, I don't. Though this Bonfire of the Vanities is directed by Brian De Palma, who's one of my favorites, and I don't know how I've never seen this. What makes a director like a favorite of yours? I don't know. There's cause some directors like. Like a Wes Anderson movie, like you know what you're getting. Like Wes Anderson has a specific style and you kind of, you know the mood you're going to be in when you watch it. Uh-huh. But there's some directors like Brian De Palma who just jump and everything they jump to is something completely different and it's exciting to have their take on weird, it. weird broken mind behind it. Cool. Because I think I like to operate that way and when I make, I don't really have a certain genre I follow behind. I like to jump. The Coens are the same way. Like 
you watch a movie like Fargo, which is like this funny kind of dark thriller, and then you watch No Country for Old Men, which is like this insanely dark, not at all funny, like borderline horror thing. And then you watch Hail Caesar, which is like this farcical comedy that's, I don't know. Yeah. I like, yeah. De Palma did like Scarface and he did Carrie and he's been, oh. he has a huge catalog of like movies considered kind of in the classic realm and they are all over the place genre wise. So wow. he's one of those people that are just like, I don't know how he got to this, but I'm excited to dive in. Great. Well, so, I'm looking forward to yeah, next week. I'll have to uh, read up on it a little bit. Do you feel like that adequately, adequately wraps up our discussion of Joe versus the volcano? I think so. Who do you think won? Joe or the volcano? Oh, Joe. Yeah, boy. Joe destroyed the volcano, quite literally. Yeah. And now he gets to date Meg Ryan. He's married to her. Yeah, they're going to live a happy life together. Maybe on the sea. We don't know if they'll have... I feel like he's Lux on his side, though. Yeah, they just die on that trunk. Um, Well, if we're wrapping up that, then I think we should jump into the next section. Our favorite... Hanks Happenings. Happenings! For the first time in two microphones. No more clipping. Oh, I know. This is... I hope that was a real treat for you guys. Um, Daniel, would you like to share our great news with our beloved audience? I feel like you should share because you're the one who found it. Well, a few weeks, you know, a couple episodes back, we announced that Tom was going to be playing, I don't remember what role, but he's playing a role (laughs) in Shakespeare's play, Henry IV. Yes. Um, I'm looking up what role he's playing In the city we live in, Los Angeles. We both live here. Yes. Um, I rarely go to things, but if there's anything that will get me out of my sweet home, it's the prospect of seeing Tom Hanks perform Shakespeare in front of my own eyes. So we've got tickets to uh, the June 19th show. We do. Uh, We're going. We're going to be there. We are going to be like... A, like one degree away from Tom at that point then? Yeah, we looked at the venue. The venue is a really small venue, like really intimate, kind of an old Shakespeare style. Like there's a stage and we kind of surround it. So we're going to be like club. We're going to feed off the aura of... And it's exciting because Tom's been posting about it, like how this means a lot to him. He's doing a theatrical thing. and It's an interesting performance um, from what I've read about it. And I'm not like totally well-versed in my Shakespeare, specifically Henry IV. I don't think I've ever read it. I'm going to have to get the Cliff's notes of it. Um, but Tom's playing kind of a bad guy. Yeah, he's kind of a devious little... He's like the ringleader of the, the, the bad thieves, guys. The thieves, I think. The thieves, that's what we read. Yeah. So we're going to see him perform something that he holds very close to him. He's trained in like Shakespearean art that's like what his skill set is is what his background is it's live theater which is its own beast and it's also something that's being done um in support of veterans yeah they're giving away veterans get to see the play for free Mm -hmm. and you can see that has garnered a a large massive response from people on social media it's cool there's i've always felt like um live performances whether music or theatrical plays are we're like really fortunate to live in a city that just kind of lives and breathes art lives and breathes art and there's a lot of stuff we have access to but also being in a big city like it's very expensive and a lot of times really hard to get tickets to like Hamilton came here and unless you had $400 to drop you were not seeing Hamilton so then it becomes inaccessible again right um and we've looked at we got good so many affordable seats yeah they're like affordable I think it seems to be a thing of like it's a small thing like we just want people to be there yeah um Tickets went on sale um, this Monday. So by the time you guys are listening to it, um, there should still be tickets available. Yeah, I think there's a lot of performances, but be careful because there's a few days that say Tom Hanks will be replaced and you don't want to... I mean... I'm sure it won't be great, but... Yeah. That's tough. I don't want to put I don't want to put a bad omen on that actor. Right, right. But It'll be tough, fine. That's a tough cookie to... It will be a huge, exciting thing for the two of us. Yeah. Um, we hope that anybody who's in L.A. that wants to see it, maybe we could go get a drink or something. I don't know. <laughs> but our plan is to make some shirts. Yeah. I want to get into some merch at some point. Yeah, yeah. So we're just going to make our own, I guess. Yeah. These will be the prototypes. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. We'll post it a picture. Oh, my God. Maybe we we'll can get a picture. We'll do a mini-sode about it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely do a mini-sode. Yeah. It'd be awesome if we can get a picture. 
I've never been one to get pictures with celebrities, but I feel like we have to for this. I mean, there are certain things that just need to be done. Yeah. I saw Donald Glover at Erewhon, the grocery store, the other day. Really? Yeah. Did you tell him congratulations for like... No, I just like... He's succeeding in every form of art he He's tried. just like a true renaissance He's man. He's a Swiss army man of... of everything right now it's fantastic. agree no i didn't say anything to him i don't i don't normally talk to no I, yeah anyway <laughs> wow okay well is that it is there anything i feel like that's i don't have anything no else that's the big that's, that's the big the happening well we love talking to you guys we love reading what you have to say a wonderful way to reach out to us is uh by leaving us a review on itunes because it does two things we see it, and it also makes iTunes see it. Yes, and that's important. Algorithms it, are against everyone, so it helps. Yeah. If you like this podcast, share it with your friends and family. Share it with Tom. <laughs> yeah. Ta- Don't like it. creep him out. But yeah. This is all in. This is all a loving thing. Don't make it weird. It's a tribute. Yeah. It's just. This is not the greatest podcast in the world. This is just a tribute about the greatest actor in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um. As always, if you're interested in continuing the conversation, you could find us on our website, TalkinTom.com. That's talking without the G. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. At Podhanks Tomcast. That's it. That's where we are. And we're coming back in two weeks to watch The Bonfire of the Vanities, directed by Brian De Palma. Uh, if you want to follow along, you got two weeks to find it on all of your different rental services, or you know, go to your local video shop and rent a copy there's a ton of great stores like that that still exist and i like to go to them and they're awesome yeah nice with the plug the blockbuster plug there. plug there's some great if you're in la cinephile on santa monica oh yeah um we used to have videots but it closed down there's a great one in pasadena there's some really great some weird stuff you don't even know it's it's still around that is beautiful and should be supported i i respect that that's it for today's episode my name is josie i'm daniel Thanks Thanks for for listening. listening.